Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello, dear listener, and welcome to Owning It, the Anxiety Podcast with me, Caroline Foran. I'm the author of Owning It, Your Bullshit-Free Guide to Living with Anxiety and The Confidence Kit. And if you're interested in either or both books, they're available wherever in the world that you are, and I will pop the link to Amazon in the podcast description. So this week, I am venturing into territory that I have not yet covered a little bit out of my depth as I'm sitting down with Ian Madigan, rugby star, to talk all about rugby, but more specifically about the anxiety he's experienced as a professional athlete and what we can learn from his training, from what is required to perform at that elite level and how we can apply it to our lives off the pitch. I was just so impressed with Ian's whole mentality around resilience and his ability to bounce back and his ability to cope with setbacks. And it's actually so impressive the amount of I guess mental health training that goes along with performing at that elite level and there's so much to be learned from it even if you're not a sports I mean I don't have a fucking clue I'm not a sports person at all I barely make it to the gym twice a week but whether you're a rugby fan or not is irrelevant this is about resilience this is about how to cope in in life in any kind of career in any kind of working environment and I think there's so much to be learned from Ian Madigan's attitude and his advice and I just have a newfound respect for for rugby and for, for all sports people who, you know, it's really so much more than the physical prowess of the athlete. It's it's the resilience, as I say, and yeah, there's there's a lot we can learn from it. So I hope you enjoy, and as always, thank you so much for subscribing and for reviewing, and I'll be back next week. 
Ian yeah. Madigan, thank you so, so much for joining me on Owning It, the Anxiety Podcast. I have to start with the full disclosure, which is that I do have anxiety about this episode because I'm a little bit out of my depth on the rugby chat and I have the pressure of my husband who, who will kill me if I make a balls of this and the pressure of his friends who are listening because they're obviously huge fans of yours as well. So I'm going to start by just trying to get my facts straight on you and your career. So you played for Leinster until 2016 and then obviously you had 30 caps for Ireland in that time as well. Then you left Ireland, played for Bordeaux for a year and then you moved on to play for Bristol, which is where you're currently calling home. Yep, exactly. Gold star for Very me. Good. <laughs> Whew, okay, that's a hard bit over. So I obviously wanted to talk to you about anxiety and the more I do this podcast, the more people I talk to, not everyone has anxiety in the same way I had it. You know, I kind of had it growing up. I had a really bad phase of it a couple of years ago where I just couldn't leave my house. Um, And that was a very specific, I was suffering with anxiety. But the more I talk to people, the more I realise everyone experiences anxiety in some way, even if I know you didn't suffer with it quite to the same extent that I would, but you'd be very familiar with maybe performance anxiety and the anxiety that would go along with, with such a high pressure role that you have in your career. Yeah, absolutely. Firstly, th- thanks a million for having me on the show. And um, it's great for me to be able to come on. And, and you know, I'm no expert in it at all. But I've Neither obviously, am I. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've obviously had plenty of experience and I've been exposed to the likes of, you know, sports psychologists, you know, older players, coaches. And then I've obviously experienced, you know, mm-hmm. ups and downs um, in the game. And hopefully people can can take something from the show of, you know, my past experiences and, and how I've I've dealt with my anxiety over, over the years. So. Yeah, well, thank you so much, because it's I suppose when you think about rugby lads, you don't imagine that you're really talking about your feelings all that much in the dressing room. And that I suppose in my ignorance would have thought it was just all about the physical game. But I think you probably tell me now that there's so much like an unbelievable amount to focus on the psychology and the mental health. And if your mental health isn't as strong as your physical health, you're going to suffer out there on the pitch. Yeah, definitely. It's it's come a huge way in, in a short space of time, you know, in the, in the, t- the 10 years that I've been playing professionally. You know, I think guys now actually are comfortable saying, yeah, I'm suffering with my anxiety a bit mm. at the moment. Um, and, That's you know, amazing. It's, yeah, it's come a long way. Like even when I think back to to when I was in school, you know, people would always ask you if there was you know a game on, big game on, and they'd be like, oh, "Are you nervous?" You know, and I think that quite question has now changed to you know, how's your anxiety leading mm. into this game? And guys are more comfortable um, being able to talk about it. And you know, younger guys coming through now, coming through the, the Bristol Academy, who are breaking into our first team you know you can see that they're going to be good and nervous before games and that, that's good and that's yeah. healthy and, and you know you want them to embrace that and you know you, you're nearly more concerned for them when they're not nervous that's what I was going to say would you be mm. worried even with yourself at this stage if you didn't have those butterflies beforehand would you think that you were not on top of your game literally if you didn't have you know that feeling of oh Christ go out and do this now yeah definitely I, I think if you're not getting nervous you know maybe it doesn't matter as yeah. much to you or it doesn't mean as much um, and you know, I've played, you know, close to 300 professional games and, you know, each time when that wave of nerve comes on when the team's announced, that's now something that you actually crave and you're kind of going, really? right, well, this is, this is, this that's is That's your call now. to action. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's like, right, we're on now. This is going to be a big week. Uh, let's get the training right. Straight away, you're thinking, right, what plan are we going to go with? Who, who am I playing alongside? Let's get building the relationships and put together a great performance come Saturday. And that's really exciting. So like your performance really starts long before the match with the mentality. Like I was reading about Michael Phelps, who the time that he's swimming in these really massive uh, races is like a couple of seconds or whatever. And, you know, you would think that all the pressure is building up to this one race, but actually his routine starts 
you know, weeks before it starts at 7am when he gets up and he runs through the same pattern. So are you so used to that same routine that you've carved out for yourself with the mental aspect that by the time you go to play the match, you're already, you're already like going through the motions of knowing what you've got to do? Yeah, like it's, it's almost like preparing for, a, you know, a big business presentation at the end of the week. Yeah. And all week you're, th- you're getting your prep ready, getting your slides ready. Um, thinking how you're going to execute it, you know, timing yourself that you're not going to go over on on your speech and making sure that you know you've got a good finish to to your business mm. presentation. The the game is no different to that. Like you'll get out of a match what you put into it. So if you've put together a great training week, there's a very good chance that's going to transfer into the game. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and that's really what professional teams can rely on. Yeah. It's how well you're training because that's the only thing you can really rely on transferring into a game. Yeah, I suppose the, the game itself then is kind of out of your control really, isn't it? To, to a certain extent that the training is where you do the work and where you control and then you've, well obviously you've, you know, a lot of it's up to fate then really and the work that you've put in. Yeah, exactly. There's, there's, there's so much analysis done now on, on, you know, how the opposition team defends or attacks, you know, your own team's game plan and all week you're working towards mm-hmm. that you know you'll have the opposition team replicating the defense you're going to come come up against replicating the attack that you're going to come up against so you're very prepared so then when it comes to the game it should really be second nature you mm-hmm. just go out and you execute you know the game plan the first time you walked out to play for Ireland what did you feel what was going through your head um it was it was very emotional you know your your friends and family are there in the stadium is that more pressure um yeah it is it is it is high pressure it's something you've, you know, dreamt about and you've waited a long time for. You know, I felt I was ready for it. I've mm-hmm. probably felt I was ready for it a few years, you know, before it came, which is, I think most guys who are playing professionally have to think that way. Mm-hmm. You nearly have to think you're ahead of the station you're at to be always striving for more. But yeah, I was very nervous. Um, but, but yeah, look, great day. You look back on it and, mm-hmm. you know, I wouldn't have changed anything. I would have done my preparation, which, you know, probably stood to me on the day. And has it gotten any easier over time? You know, obviously you've played so many matches at this stage. Do you still feel the same amount of anxiety beforehand? Or like, I know you kind of look forward to it or you take it as a call to action, but has it gotten less? Um, it's gotten less in ways and then it's gotten more in ways. So, you know, for example, at the moment, I'm at the end of my contract cycle. So I've signed a three-year deal with Bristol and I'm in my final year of, of that deal. So there's pressures there with, mm-hmm. you know, will you sign a new deal with the club? If not, where else might you be going? You know, And then and there's the actual, I mean, upheaval of moving your life around with yeah. that as well. It's not just like starting a new job, staying in the same place. Exactly. And the older, older you get, I suppose, um, the harder that becomes. But yeah, then the other, the, the, the more positive side of it and, and then the easier side is, you know, for a large part of my career, I would have built routines and tried to be as habit forming as possible. Mm-hmm. And then the ones that I felt were working for me, I'd hold on to the ones that I felt weren't working for me. I, you know, push to the side. And um, so off the back of that, you know, at, at 30 now, I feel like I've got a very reliable bank of habits that I use each week that uh, prepare me for games. And can um, I, can you tell me what they are? Yeah, a lot of them are, are very, very simple. You know, there'd be, you know, basic things like when I, I, f- I feel, a, you know, a wave of nervous, nervousness or anxiety coming over me would just be taking a moment to myself to get, um, you know, two really deep breaths, mm. long exhale. And that's something that I'll do in games. I'll do it before I'm taking a place kick. I'll do it just after the team's announced on a Monday. I might do it to calm, calm me down before I'm going to bed. Um, so that's just a, a tool I'd use that's as brilliant. the week goes on. Yeah. Um, then, you know, I think it's very important with the way the game has gone now, there's so much analysis, you know, of your own team on, on the game plan you're going to execute on a, of the opposition that there's, 
you know, endless amount of time that you could spend, you know, on the laptop because, you know, it's all on applications now and, and whatnot. That you've got to map out your week and go, when am I going to actually study these teams? Because you could sit in the, and, you know, spend three, four hours on an app watching TV and you're not never actually switching off. So what I do is I try and go, right, I'm going to do half an hour of, of analysis here, get my notes done, and then I'm done for the evening. And I'm going to have two, three hours to myself and then off to bed. So you've got some quality time mm-hmm. where you can properly dial down and, and switch off. And do you find it hard to switch off at night then when you're like, are you running through formations in your head when you're lying in bed or have you gotten good at sort of sh- saying, I've had my time for that now, this is now it's off? Yeah, if if I didn't sit down and do like an intensive half an hour and have that downtime and if I had the laptop open for the few hours, it, it definitely would affect me. And, you know, you, you stay thinking about it and it can affect you falling to sleep. Yeah. Um, which is obviously, a, you know, a really crucial part of, you know, how we rec- recover and how we can perform the, the, the next yeah. day. So that's something that, that I've had to work on. And do you let yourself indulge at all in worst case scenario thinking? Because I think that's something that we're all, we, we can all be guilty of and it's such a driver of anxiety. And, you know, we live in a world that's very, you know, be positive, always think of, winning think of the best case scenario but I find in my experience if you deny the negative thoughts that you have and you say just shut up and get down there they're going to pop up back again at a later time if there's something that's niggling at you like your your concerns are valid so do you think that it's important to say okay what what are my concerns here what am I afraid of here what am I what what could go wrong here in order to get on top of it to like be more prepared for something going wrong yeah definitely I think the, the first thing with your anxiety is you've got to address it and you know the best way of doing that is probably talking to someone about it mm. and saying, here, look, I'm uh, I'm nervous about this or this is getting on top of me a bit. And then off the back of that, I think once you've offloaded that on someone and talked through it, you'll straight straight away feel better. And then I think the next step then is, is about trying to change your mindset. So if, for example, you know, I'm going into training on a Monday and I'm kind of going, right, we've got, you know, lower body weights, fitness, and then the team session, oh, you know, I don't know if I'm going to be able to get through this. Now, for the last 10 years, I've got through it. I'm going to be able to get through it. But you're naturally thinking worst case scenario. You know, I'm I'm still stiff from the game at the weekend. Um, you know, maybe I'm not going to be able to, to, to get through it. But then you can change your mindset and go, you know, I've done it for the last 10 years. I will be able to do it. I'm just going to get through the, get through the first session and I'll see how I am then. And then before you know it, the second session is underway and you're feeling fine. And the day's suddenly gone by. But I think what's important then is you've got to be able to address at the end of the day, reassuring yourself so that come the following weekend, you're not having that same battle with you on the on the Sunday night going, oh, am I going to get through the Monday? You've got to say to yourself, you know, look, Ian, that was that was really good. You were brilliant today. And you're do you that. do that? With yeah, yourself? you do. And you, ha- you have to. But like, you, you know, it's not like you're putting it out on social media and you're mm. blowing your own trumpet. You're doing it internally yeah it's so important yeah more important than putting it out there but even I think even if you put it out there there's a fear especially being Irish that like who does he think he is now saying he's great but it's actually we keep undermining ourselves by saying oh I could have been better that was shit you're going to keep yourself in that mindset yeah exactly and like that positive um, those positive affirmations with yourself are really really important and as Mm -hmm. you said like it is an Irish thing that we you know put each other down we put ourselves down you know and I think doing it internally is a really healthy thing. And do you struggle between the internal sort of self-compassion, telling yourself, like trying to find the positives and the self-critical voice? 
Because you're at such high stakes performance, you know? Yeah, and the way the game is gone now, everything is analysed. You know, we wear these GPS units in training that literally measure everything from every acceleration, deceleration, metres covered, impacts. Um, everything you do in the gym is measured. Every action during a game is measured. So, like, you're you're being bombarded with stats and it's always, you know, this is good, 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 but this is bad and it's a work on. So measurable. Yeah, but the bad and the work on is almost, can be the focus. Mm. And that's the nature of professional sport. You know, you're always looking to improve, but that can get in on you as well. So you've got to be able to to manage that and also realise as well, in an organisation like a rugby club, you've got a lot of people that are pulling out of you. So, you know, the nutritionist wants something out of you. The speed coach wants something out of you. The strength coach wants something out of you. The fitness coach wants something out of you. The backs coach wants something. The forwards, you know, mm-hmm. defence coach, the forwards coach wouldn't have too much to do with me. And, I mean, and I wouldn't then, get that joke, yeah, but, but I, <laughs> I will after I go to Japan. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then obviously the head coach wants something out of you. But you've got to realise you're not going to be able to please everyone, but it's being able to manage them as well. Mm. You talk about comparing it to like a boardroom scenario where you're, you know, giving a presentation or something. But I think with that kind of anxiety, which I would get, if I go to give a talk about anxiety to a company or whatever, and I always feel like, oh my God, why have I signed myself up for this just beforehand? But I also know that that's necessary for me to do a good job. And then it's over and I can kind of breathe until mm. the next time. But with, with your career, it's like, is there ever a phase where you're not onto the next thing? Do you have, is there downtime, I guess, when you're off season? But do you, do you in a way, all, all, also thrive on that energy and that you can take that anxiety and make it positive as well yeah definitely and like there's there's times in your career where you know there's a period where you haven't been injured you're playing great rugby training's going well the team's winning and it just seems so easy Mm -hmm. you know it's just every day is just one after the next it's easy 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 um and then there's other times when you know you're picking up niggle after niggle the team might be performing particularly well is losing games the head coach is under pressure supporters are getting you know, antsy with the team. So I th- I think the key for me over the last 10 years is when things are going well, is not getting carried away mm-hmm. and thinking, I've actually got the winning formula here. I'm sorted now for the rest of my career. And, you know, thinking everything's great. And then the flip side of that is when things aren't going well, not overly beating yourself up and going, look, I've just got to stick to my process here. I know I'm a good professional. If I keep grinding every day, I will eventually come out of this and the team will come out of this and there's, you know, brighter days ahead. It's amazing how much discipline is required to do your job and I imagine that everyone outside of rugby would benefit from that massively. Has that resilience and mental training spilled over into your private life? Yeah, it, it can be It can be good in ways. Um, you find that because you're so routine-based with, with, um, with the professional sport, you end up being quite routine-based with your daily life or even your holidays you know and I've I've probably become less of a risk taker off, off the back of it you know you want let's say for when I'm going away on a holiday I want something like guaranteed sun I don't want to be going somewhere where there's no gym or I'm not too sure what food I'm going to be getting So would that idea of being out of your routine give you anxiety? Um, yeah it would it would a bit yeah but you just you kind of know what you want and it, you know, the the shame of that is, you know, I know I'm missing out on things by not being able to venture out more. Would I be correct in saying that in your position as out half with all the place kicks, um, penalties and conversions, are they all the right words? Yep. It's probably one of the most mentally demanding roles on the pitch, would you say? I mean, I'm curious, is that is that a role that you would have gravitated towards? Because I think 
it must take it's a seriously high pressure position I can't cope at those moments when you have to take a kick and the whole stadium goes quiet it's just it's severe pressure yeah you know being a kid growing up I would have loved being um, centre of attention and, and you know if I was playing Gaelic football I wanted to be playing you know centre forward or midfield I wanted to be in the middle and in the, in the thick of things you know if I was playing soccer I'd probably like to be doing the penalties and with rugby the, the, the goal kicking was something that I, I always wanted to do you know, all the way back from mini rugby days when you're trying to kick the ball over from the, the 22. and So the gratification is worth the pressure? Um, yeah, I, I think it's, it, it also comes with, like it's it's associated with playing out half as well. So the the, the goal kicker is, is more often than not going to be the out half. Now, not always, but I think when you're in school, there's going to be a responsibility that the, the out half is at least practicing as goal kicking after training. And I think once you're making the investment of, of practicing something, you then want to be doing it in games and if it's going well and you're getting gratification, great. Like, you know, you, you, you love it. But then the flip side of that is when they're not going over, you know, it can, it can be pretty tough. And How do you bring yourself back from a scenario where it doesn't go over the posts and you have to continue on with the game? You've got to try and do that. It's, it is it is a hard thing to do. Um, it's just, it's serious mental fitness as well as physical fitness, isn't it? Yeah, like a, a, good, a, a good way though, similar to other aspects of the game, the better you prepare during the week and the more those weeks add up, the more resilient you'll become. So when we're in training, we'll we'll try and basically simulate the pressure you're going to be on under games. Now, obviously, you can't have 50,000 people there watching you and you can't have it all, you know, all on the line. But you find with, with sports people, they're extremely competitive people and whether it's just 1v1 or on a big in a big stadium they still want to win does it even make a difference then big time no it does like like if 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 i'm doing a, a kicking competition against the other out half i really want to win and you know there's no second chances when you're doing those 1v1s just like there's no second chances in a game so you know you could go out and practice and kick 50 kicks and not really put yourself under pressure on any of them and think oh i've, I've put together a great kicking session there but the way we generally do it now is we you might do you know, 25, 30 kicks from various areas, getting your routine and technique right. But then at the end of that, you might go, okay, right, we're going to do six game kicks now. And the kicking coach might decide where they're from. And your score is what you got out of the six, not what you got out of the 36. And he, let's say, okay, we're 10 minutes into the game. The team's 7-0 down and we've got a penalty and you've got to try and get us back into the game, get the scoreboard back to 7-3. So you've got to try and visualise yourself in the game and you've got to then make that kick and then he might move on to another location. It's kind of like the ultimate act of mindfulness. Mm. When you're in that moment, there's no room for anything else. Yeah, you're right. And like that's the, that's exactly what, what you're working towards. You want to make it an automated system. And that's what you know the good goal kickers out there, in my opinion, have an automated system that they can rely on. It's not something that you can just feel on the day, you know. And that's what your routine is. It's you know a certain amount of steps back. You're at a certain angle into the ball every time. You're taking roughly the same amount of time to kick it. You're using the breaths. Your follow through is the exact same. So it's and then it is automated once you get into a game. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is 
is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. So, if you are on holiday or you're taking time off and you need to clear your head, given that taking the kicks is such an act of mindfulness, would you gravitate towards doing that when you're not playing? Um, no, no, it's only something you'd really do if there's a, a you know a game coming up. As well, it's 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 high performance. You know, you're you're not going out and just having a kick about for fun. You've got to get yourself prepped for it. It takes a fair bit out of you. But I, I would I would find when I'm away on holidays, um, regardless whether on a break or not, I'd still find. You know, I'd, I'd be working out, you know, three, four, five times a week. You know, you, you've got to stay in shape to make sure your skin folds don't go up and you're, you know, ready for preseason or whatever it might be. But at the same time, if I was away and I wasn't playing professional rugby, I'd, I'd do that anyway because I feel good about myself after I've worked out. I think one of the main drivers for anxiety, for day-to-day anxiety anyway, is how we measure our self-worth. And I think it's very easy to attach professional success to our self-worth and that's obviously quite a slippery slope because when things are going good it's great when things are going bad what happens to how we view ourselves? um in rugby I suppose it's it's so much more measurable you're only as good as your current performance your last performance do you struggle with having too much attachment to your with your performance to your self-worth um yeah it can be and it, it can kind of trick you and and cover up things that you know mightn't be going particularly well in your personal life but you're playing well and vice versa, you know, you could be on top of things, but performing poorly, and 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 it gets in on you again. Like like I touched on there, it's it's when things are going well on the pitch that your, you know, your equilibrium or your seesaw isn't going too high, and then when things are going poorly on the pitch, you're not getting yourself too low. Would be how I'd really manage that. And like, there's there's a lot of tangible things that go on in a rugby game that aren't. Um, controllable you know for example you miss a goal kick because you think the wind is doing a certain thing the wind drops the kick misses but you've mm. you've kicked it really well you've gone through your process similarly you've a fantastic game but the reality is the opponents just made a few defensive errors you got through you scored two tries mm. you kicked your kicks but it papers over cracks that's really interesting because you're obviously so mentally strong you're able to see those things going against you and not blame yourself whereas for me if I I was kicking and the wind went against me, not that I'd be able to get it over the... (laughs) Maybe there very well would be external factors that would have been to blame, but I would instantly just blame myself and say it was my fault, I didn't do a good enough job. You've obviously had the training to be able to compartmentalise and not always go straight on the attack with yourself. Because if you're beating yourself up and you're being very self-critical, what actually happens in your body is that you 
produce more cortisol, which is a slower releasing stress hormone. And we think that being self-critical with ourselves will actually be motivating and will make us do a better job. And actually, it's probably the worst thing you can do on the pitch or off the pitch or wherever. And actually, when we, when we choose self-compassion instead, which makes us say, okay, that wasn't your fault or how can I make this better? How can I improve? We actually bring in like oxytocin and the feel-good hormones. So it's not just a way of thinking, it's actually impacting on your biology. Yeah. Social comparison is another major driver of anxiety, especially for me. I mean, I'm very guilty of it, even though I know it's so bad. But like I'll go on my Instagram and I'll scroll and I'll see someone maybe getting something or achieving something and feel like that their success takes from mine, which I know in my logic brain that it doesn't um but I imagine in rugby it's even more amped up because obviously there's only so many people can go on a team people are going to get picked ahead of you sometimes sometimes you're going to get picked ahead of them and in some ways even though you're all on the same team you're kind of getting pitted against each other so how do you cope with or how do you handle the inevitable social comparison that goes along with rugby yeah like o- over the years that would have been a big cause of anxiety would be worrying about selection you know and the way that's done it- the team isn't always picked at the start of the week. So, you know, you're over the weekend, you're thinking, oh, I wonder will I be in for this game? If there's a big game coming up the following weekend, um, you're doing your best to train well on the Monday and Tuesday and the team might be picked, you know, on the Tuesday afternoon. And you're literally reading into absolutely everything from how the coach said hello to you to what other what other players are thinking about the team. You know, you're asking three or four other guys what who do they think might be in. So it's all it's all those kind of things added up. But what I'd say is with that, quite often the build up and the anxiety of selection is worse and the fear of, of not getting picked is actually worse than the not getting picked itself. Yeah, that's that's so true. So how do you reconcile it in the instances where you don't get picked? Do you wallow in it or are you able to just get straight back into it and, and put one foot forward? Yeah, like it's it, it's it's disappointing, and I, I think it's important that, like anything, uh, you've got to be able to mourn it and then park it yeah. and then try and use that to drive you on. But again, like quite often, it's the stuff that's associated with not getting picked. So, like obviously, it's disappointing for you personally. But what what might be the worst part of it is having to ring up your your dad and tell him, you know, look, I'm not in this weekend. He might have he might have travel or uh, decided to travel over to the game, and now you're not picked or you're on the bench or whatever. And that can be harder to deal with than actually not getting picked yourself. What people will think about you? Yeah, sometimes, yeah. Or like having to read about it in the papers and getting other people's opinion. Whereas, you know, quite often they don't know the full picture, you know. That must be another layer of anxiety. I suppose at your level of rugby, you are in the public eye and it makes news. It was headlines that you got engaged. Congratulations, by the way. (laughs) Thank you very much. Is that something that you accept as part of the job? Or, I mean, do you go and read and engage in that stuff or do you try and create a boundary there so that shit does not ever affect you yeah it's very hard you know I think when things are going well I think a lot of guys would be inclined to read the positive stuff but I think once you start going down that route and the tide turns as it inevitably will do when the negative stuff starts getting written it's very hard to stop reading so you know I, I was lucky that I, you know some great guys uh, ahead of me when I was you know involved with Leinster and they they said to me here look just try and not read regardless of how well things are going or how poorly things are going. Now, it is hard because a lot of people say, oh, did you see that nice article that was written about you? And once that's said to you, you're kind of going, oh, I wouldn't mind reading that. Yeah, because it can be such a boost of the feel-good yeah, hormones. Do. 
Exactly. It can be a real positive. Yeah. And you will obviously place so much more emphasis on the negative because as humans, we're actually primed to go negative. It goes back to hunter-gatherer times Mm. where we had to pay so much more attention to negative things happening in our life more so than positive because if we didn't, there would be a very immediate threat to our survival. So I think it takes three times as many positives to outweigh one negative. And to this day, we still have this negativity bias. And you could read, you know, 99 really lovely things said about you. And then the one negative thing is the one that you will hone in on. And just as much as you don't want to feel bad when you read something bad you also don't want to rely too much on feeling good when something good comes along because again that's measure of your self-worth is outside of your control and it's something that will always change and fluctuate so I think you're dead right to just create that boundary where you just you don't engage whether it's positive or negative I think that's really really healthy also on the social comparison thing it's interesting because for you you're obviously on a team and like for me I work for myself if I see someone achieving something and I feel like "Mm, I want that or their success takes from mine I'm sort of separate to that I'm I'm operating as an individual but on a team with the rugby you know, you can't really afford to feel that someone else's success takes from yours or that they can't feel that yours takes from theirs because ultimately it's bigger than you. It's about more than you. It's about the team. Is that tough? Um, it is tough, but I think with, you know, with the, the out halves when you've a good relationship with them, you've the attitude that, you know, one guy's not going to get picked for the entire season. So it's important that when you're in for your given week, whether you're, let's say you're picked, you've got to try and drive the team on as best you can. So come the end of the week, the team's in a better position than it was at the start of the week so then the guy who gets it the following week can then drive it on again like that's what a real positive you know atmosphere and culture in a team is and that's what you want when it's negative you know the guy gets picked ahead of you and you're thinking I hope he's a bad game you know once you start thinking that way you know it it only has a negative effect on you suddenly then you're not doing everything you can to prepare the team as best you can for the weekend. And then if that happens, there's a domino effect where the whole team will have a negative mentality. Yeah, and it will feed into other parts of you as well. You know, suddenly you're not pushing yourself as hard in the gym. And that must be something that you keep an eye on with the younger lads coming up now under you. Obviously, you've got 10 years experience. Do you feel a sort of responsibility to them to make sure that they don't fall into that trap of having a very singular mindset and that they think more about the the whole group and the whole team. Yeah, definitely. And because we're around each other so much and, you know, we've such lengthy meetings and that kind of thing, it's very hard for someone to kind of be pretending for any length of period of time. Their personality will come out over three months, six months, a year, two years. And, you know, with the younger guys coming through, you, you can kind of help guide them on, you know, basic things like accountability, you know. So if they... Um, said something or acted on something in a game and it came up in a, in a review after the match and they weren't accountable for their actions. You might just have a word at them afterwards and go, here, look, we're all in this together. We're trying to get better as a group. It's okay to just put your hand up and go, yeah, that was my mistake. And people will respect you for that. But quite often you find that it's, it's, just, it's just really fear. You know, they don't mean any malice by it. And when you actually go and, and you know, talk to them about it and educate them on it, they then realise that and before you know it the following meeting they've stepped up and gone yeah, I said that it was the wrong call. Do you think that you've learned over your career the importance of vulnerability and how to embrace it and to see it more so as strength than weakness? Yeah definitely. Because um, you have to be vulnerable right? Yeah and the way the game goes and the way professional sport is you know there's going to be one winner and one loser every week so you've got to be able to you know roll the punches and and you know, embrace it, I suppose. Of everything that you've learned so far in your career from resilience to vulnerability to accountability, what do you think are the most important learnings or lessons that we could take from rugby and apply to life outside of rugby? I think it's a, it's a very straight talking environment. Um, not much stuff goes on behind people's backs. It's people call it as it is. 
and it's very black and white like the footage will show what it shows um, and there's no real hiding from that and I think that's that's good in a way because you can kind of grow as a group you can address things you can then move on whereas I think um, obviously I'm not too well accustomed to the working world but you know I'd know through friends and family quite a lot of the time you can get stuck and things get slowed down because people will be saying things behind people's back it doesn't actually get addressed and I think if things were more open and people were effectively braver and, and straighter um, things would move forward quickly and I think ultimately relationships would be far better I mean I feel like we should all just go and do a rugby camp or course and, and learn all these skills not that I'd last very long because <laughs> habits are so hard to form and they're even harder to break and I think our brains naturally gravitate towards homeostasis it doesn't want to be disturbed it doesn't want to do anything that's new or different or outside its comfort zone and to make a change or a habit that's really healthy and positive for you requires so much willpower and I think listening to you it sounds like willpower is something you just have built up such reserves of would it be fair to say that habits and routine is kind of the cornerstone of rugby? Yeah habit forming has been like when I'm talking to you know the younger guys coming through now and they'll be asking me on you know what do you do for recovery um what what are you doing for your different skills you've got to prepare for the game and the main thing it comes back to is that it's habit forming and I'd say to them okay well look let's try and get in the routine of at the end of every training day, go to the swimming pool and do stretching, um, proper warm down and do it for, you know, don't just try for a week because you might feel the benefits. You don't know whether it's good or bad. Give it a proper go, you know, talking four to six weeks. And at the end of that, you'll either find, look, that didn't do a whole lot for me or else it's literally become a habit and it's not a chore so that's the key so like when when I'm going to the pool I'm not thinking oh I'm being a good professional here this is going to give me the edge I feel I need to do it and it's now a habit for me and the more of those things you have like getting to bed early you know it's a habit I'm not thinking oh I've got to be a good professional here and get to bed before 10 o'clock I'm thinking this is going to make me better for tomorrow and it becomes automated Um, and the more the more you can do of that and try things and add things to your add more strings to your bow the better ultimately the better you'll be so there's the micro level anxiety of the performance anxiety the game the match taking the kick um and then on a slightly wider level there's the context of of your position in in the team being picked where you stand and then i suppose on a on a much if you step back much further there's another layer of anxiety i'm just throwing all these layers of anxiety at you where I suppose it's no secret that a rugby career can only last so long because the old bodies give in eventually so is it something that you're aware of right now? Are you thinking of it? Is it something that stresses you out or gives you anxiety thinking about what you're going to do next? Yeah, definitely. It's something that you're, you know, you're made aware of, you know, when you're coming through the academy. Um, but I think you can do as much as you can to best prepare yourself, either by continuing to educate yourself or, you know, being involved in businesses outside of sport. But, you know, the the game currently takes up a huge amount of time. So it is it is hard to to be able to do something on top of it. Would it scare you the idea of waking up tomorrow and not being a rugby player, that unfamiliar territory? Absolutely, yeah. You know, you're back back at the bottom then as such. And no, it it, it does it does um it does, you know, uh, give me anxiety, I suppose, yeah. thinking about that. But the way we're wired as rugby players, you're you're kind of all in or all out. So you've you've got to keep your focus and and um, stay in and as such until you know that you're going to be finishing up at the end of a given contract. Or unfortunately, if if an, an injury comes along and and that is the end for you. So what for you is the goal when you look back on your career when you've retired? Is it about the amount of wins? Is it about the amount of caps? Is it what what is it for you that's really 
makes it all worthwhile? Um, yeah, it's it's a great question. It, it's a very hard answer or a very hard question to answer. I suppose a lot of my focus will be short term. So it's, you know, I, I would have long term goals as such, but a lot of it's just week to week. So, you know, at the moment, a, a big priority for me is, you know, getting fit, playing well and ensuring that I get a new contract as because I'm out of contract now. It's, yeah, it's one of those ones you've got to wait and see if the club wants to keep you on. Um, and yeah, there's a few things to go with that. So, um, you know, I love my time playing here in Leinster and, and with Ireland and, um, you know, if an opportunity opened up, I'd love to come back. Let's hope Joe Schmidt's listening to my podcast. <laughs> so I wanted to talk to more men this season. As I was kind of observing when, when the book came out, I would have thought originally that anxiety was definitely more of a female issue. And as it turns out, like it's absolutely not men experience it just as much as, as women do, whether it's performance anxiety or social anxiety or any different kind of anxiety. Yeah. And men will message me privately and say, oh, I, I was passed on your book or I, I was linked to your podcast and actually I suffered that as well. Or, But a woman will do it kind of publicly. Like they'll tag me or at me and make it more visible. So I thought it was interesting in how, you know, it's not a gender issue, but we experience it in different ways. Um, so I wanted this season to talk to more men to, to help, I suppose, more men feel comfortable talking about their vulnerability and, and their mental health and, and see it not as a weakness, but as a strength. So I'm just wondering, in your opinion, what do you think needs to happen to make men more comfortable talking about it? Yeah, I, I think, you know, the, the more of these kind of things of, you know, men coming on and, and talking about what they've gone through, how they've dealt with it is only a positive. And, you know, I've even noticed it with my own group of friends, you know, three, four years ago, you wouldn't have had guys going, yeah, look, I'm struggling with my sleep at the moment. Work's getting in on top of me a bit. Um, I'm a bit anxious in the morning. I'm struggling to get out of bed. Whereas now guys are saying it and it's great you know and then some would chirp up and go here look I've, I've I'm, I'm trying this at the moment um anything from you know I'm trying this new sleeping mat it's like an acupressure mat it's helping me get to sleep another guy is going oh I've started taking CBD oil that's reduced my anxiety you know and before you know it, there's a bit of a, a brainstorming session going on and you can be guaranteed whoever was struggling has now brought it up, is will be feeling a lot better off the back of it. And do you think that among your peers that the stigma is maybe starting to lift a little bit? Because when I, when it was tw- 2014, when I really started to feel very bad with anxiety and at the time, I mean, nobody spoke about it. I wouldn't have dared to put it out on social media and yeah. like, obviously I would have told my, my closest friends and family, but when I did eventually put it out there, I was terrified and I got messages from these guys that I had gone to school with who I thought I knew and they were always real jack the lad, so confident and suddenly they were telling me, oh, I like really struggle with social anxiety or this kind of anxiety and I would have had no idea so I think it's it's amazing now that we've gotten to the point where people are yeah. getting more comfortable to talk about it and to look at it I suppose as mental fitness and as part of your overall health and well-being as opposed to just something being wrong I mean we always think of mental health as something we address only when there's an issue and but you go to the gym to look after your body why can't we look after our mental health as well yeah yeah definitely and you know, I think everyone's kind of going through it. Like this, the keeping up with the Joneses is a big thing. Like, what's what's he doing? Is he? Oh, this guy's gone and bought a house, or he's got engaged, or he's having a kid now, and he's earning X amount. You know, everyone's kind of going through that. And I think the more you can talk about it and and address it, you know, the better it is. And in terms of how your own mental health has gotten stronger I think it's fair to say you're obviously very mentally fit now <laughs> what would you say outside of your professional accomplishments are you most proud of um probably my ability to bounce back you know I've had plenty of setbacks you know whether it was you know missing an easy kick in school to you know throwing an intercept pass in a big game to not getting picked for for 
certain matches or certain competitions. I think each time something, you know, quite big and negative has happened like that, I've found a way and resolved to go back to the drawing board, reset new goals and find a way to effectively climb my way back up to, you know, perceive success or um, getting selected or, you know, making a good kick or executing a good pass. Um, so that's probably what I'm most proud of of my career, you know, looking back and going, yeah, look, I've had plenty of setbacks, but, um, you know, I've shown resolve. And um, What is it that they say? It's not about getting knocked down, but about getting back up again. I think that's a quote on the wall in my gym. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a bit cringy, but... No, but I mean, things are cliche for a reason. They, they're yeah. true, they work. So before I let you go, I just want to ask you, for anyone who's maybe outside of rugby, unless the whole Irish rugby team are listening, do you have any advice for anyone listening who wants to get a little bit more on top of their anxiety and become more resilient? Um, I think that the, the first step is definitely to talk to someone and then just to try and change your mindset. You know, if it's something that is giving you anxiety and getting you down or something that you're really dreading, try and find a positive in it um, and, and that will get you through. And then once you've got through it, that positive affirmation afterwards, let yourself know how well you've done. Tell yourself how great you are. You know, it's something we don't do enough of. You know, you don't have to do it externally, but that internal gratification. And Yeah, and something I actually focused on in my second book was this whole idea of success, that we're all hurtling towards it, striving for it every day. And then we get there and we don't know what to do with it. And we, we talk it down and we rubbish it. We say, oh, that was nothing or anyone could have done it. And I'm so guilty of that myself. Like I'm always doing myself a disservice by, by completely undermining any successes that I do have. So I guess what's the point if we're if we're striving for success and we don't appreciate it when we get it? Yeah, and I suppose you've got to be careful as well. Like what you say externally, you mightn't believe. Yeah. You know, you're just saying it because you don't want to be show offy. Like for example, your show is going great, but you're kind of putting yourself down. But at the same time, you know, the more you say it, maybe you will start to believe it. Yeah. It is a, it is an important thing, and I, like I have a habit of doing it myself. You know, but it's something that I, I I'm probably trying to address, and I, that's the thing. Like it's it's always a work in progress. Ian Madigan, thank you so much for joining me on the Anxiety Podcast. I just, I've loved chatting to you and I know that people are going to find this so incredibly helpful, whether they're interested in rugby or not. It all applies to, to all areas of life. So I can't thank you enough for joining me. Great. Thanks for having me on. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello? 
Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. The easiest way to access Owning It Real Time is to head to the link in the episode description or episode details, whatever you call them, show notes. You will find the link in there at the top. You can sign up right away for Owning It Real Time and access the full library of 10 situation-specific audio guides that will help you own your anxiety even more than you've ever done before.